It is not our differences that divide us. It is our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences. Audrey Lord. Bending Not Breaking, Episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe. Episode 15, Father of the Water Tribe, and we're looking at this through a lens of what, Mr. Pruitt? I believe we're looking at this through a lens of inclusion. Is that right? Yes, that's why I asked you to, I brought you in. You see what I did there? That was so inclusive. I said, hey, what's the lens? What you really you did. to be a part of this. Now see, what you really did was you put me on the spot because I forgot for a second, <laughs> and I was like, I had to think, and I was really nervous. So you're saying that if we're including people, they need to be prepped to be included. That's a slippery slope. Yep, I disagree with that statement. <laughs> Once again, I am Sunshine Mayfield, and we have Ben Pruitt here, and... Don't you say my name. My name is Ben Pruitt. And we are going to be talking about inclusion. Um, and, and through this episode, where Aang and the gang uh, oh, meet up... I love that new... That's a new phrase to use. Aang and the gang? Oh, yeah. I've always just called them our heroes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. They uh they get into some things they 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 meet some people and things happen right things happen but I believe it is your turn for it is my turn the descending word recap six words six words are you ready yeah all right let's see if you like it I, I haven't I'm starting liked one yet I'm starting to put some flavor into it okay all right here we go trio almost splits Iroh nurtures crush. Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, Iroh nurtures crush? Yep. He's got a crush on homegirl. Yeah, it's weird. And he and he shows that throughout the entire episode. We'll see. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just get into it then. Yeah. All right? So... Aang finds a sword made of a whale's tooth. That's right. And Sokka pretty much recognizes off the get-go, this is a water tribe weapon. That is correct. And then Sokka does something that I have not seen him do before, I don't believe. Okay. And he shows just a, an extreme amount of competence in understanding, like, what has happened and is able to track, like, this battle that took place and like see markings on the trees and do like all of this stuff and he is very confident in what he's saying and what he's doing and seems very competent in what he is saying and doing yeah and we have not really seen this Sokka before yeah we haven't seen this Sokka before but it's so it's not out of the realm of what I would expect no. because from back in his village you know that he was tracking food we always see like the you know silly side of him but frankly like he he was in charge of recruiting food for his entire village. He had to be good at tracking and doing these things. It's interesting that he grew up without trees and he's able to do this with trees, but it seems like it's a pretty easy transfer. I would agree, but like, again, you just, we haven't seen this. Yep. Um, and I, you know, he is, it almost gets like, as he noticed that it's from the water tribe, he's like, it puts him into a stance of like, holy crap, this could be incredible. Heightened awareness. Like, yes. Yeah. Super important sees a ship and is very easily able to identify this is not our dad's ship but it is one from his fleet yep um and then in that moment um we get a cut to Iroh before we do that I want to really touch on something and I think it's interesting because within the first couple of seconds we hear the word tribe right and I think it's important I think we've talked about this before but to think about the way that we have defined the groups and categories in this world around like the water tribe the fire nation the earth kingdom right and then it was the the air nomads 
but like everybody has their own distinct group mm -hmm. even if they are whether they're vendors or not they are part of a group right and to think about how this whole episode is kind of themed around Sokka and Katara's attachment and feeling around being a part of the water tribe and how Aang is not a part of that group right right and Which so, becomes very prevalent later this episode. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting to me because just the our language alone separates us. Right? It's not really it really helps us that we are when we are a part of one of those things feel closer to that group, but it also excludes us from the other groups. And so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that it's when you kind of break it down and you think of each one and also like the connotations of the words that come along with that. So if you are part of the water tribe, you view that as like this very um, strong bond that connects you through camaraderie maybe. But do the other nations see it as, oh, you're a tribe, so you're savages or unrefined or what yeah. comes with that? Um, Earth Kingdom you view that as we're very powerful, we're very well-built and well-structured. Um, other people, do they see that as stuck up or um, turning your back on other people of the world? Yeah, well, it leads to these and stereotypes, so, right? right? So how does that play in? But the, the language itself is really important behind that because though one group might be able to own it, is it used as a tactic by others to kind of say... To paint a picture of who these people well, are. You are not of us. Right. Right? When really, <clears throat> they're all human. Right? And I think that's really interesting because the more labels we attach to each other and to ourselves, the more, rather than like creating this close-knit bond, what we're doing is we're creating a way that prevents us from building that bond with people who are outside of it. How would you point that in the way, though, of crafting an identity, right? So a lot of what we need yeah. to do is, is create is, you know, we think of people needing to see themselves on television and roles, mm -hmm. or people needing to see themselves in, in, in opportunities of leadership to be able to identify and say, that could be me. I could be that leader. Um, I could, you know, be a part of this. So sometimes it's in crafting an identity, and how does that differ from what we're kind of saying right now where these words are being used almost as a visionary tactic versus one that can create a self-awareness and an identity piece that allows you to believe in yourself more. I, I think the difference here is that we're in a world where we are already divided. And so seeing people that look and are like us in media and on, in books and television shows and television uh, in general is something that brings us together whereas if we were never divided and we never had that language that separated us i wonder if it would be as important fair just thought maybe yeah i don't know um so we get a cut to iroh sipping tea with zuko and they hear this thing going on yeah. up, uh, a on moment of quiet is good for your mental well-being yes and then it was very not quiet. And it was very not good for his well-being. To see a bounty hunter riding uh, uh, an, an antelope or an armadillo. I don't uh, know what we would call it. A sheer shoe is what it is, but... I, I heard the name and didn't write it down. It's a, a sheer, sheer shoe. shoe. Yeah. A blind... It's almost like a mole. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah. A well, bounty hunter riding a mole. Well, I think it's interesting here because when... like. Iroh is constantly trying to get Zuko to just chill out a little bit. And he seems to have finally gotten him to sit down and have some tea. And then this happens. Yep. How much, like, to, this to me seems like a really just, a really good metaphor for Zuko's headspace. Right? He is constantly being pulled and wants and craves this quiet and to be able to sit down and just to be able to be himself. But there's constantly things that are pulling him away from that. And I think this is a really good example of that. Yeah, he sits down to get some tea. Boom, big boat rocking. Yeah, exactly what he's going through. And the bounty hunter says, "Hey, you got a stowaway on your ship." And Zuko's like, "I absolutely do not have a stowaway on this ship." Lies. She wrecks the ship, finds the stowaway, paralyzing tongue. Yep. Which we know will be important later. Um, and they bounce. Spoiler alert. Again. 
for the at least 15th time, you should probably watch the show. Probably <laughs> have seen at least this episode, if not the entire first season, if not the entire series. That's right. Um, but she leaves. She leaves. And Iro is very Iroh's impressed. Hooked. Yeah, Iro's. I'm. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Um, yeah, I think he's not impressed because of the sheer shoe. I think that he likes Homegirl. Sure, maybe. I think he might just be impressed by the tracking skills that they have and how they can use it to their benefit. The context clues throughout the entire episode point in the other direction. Maybe that's the story you're telling yourself. Maybe. I'm just looking at the facts. Listeners, what do you think? <laughs> Tweeted us at the Archive. Um, But yeah, so, and then we get a quick cut back um, to Baby Sokka. Not yeah. Baby, but like... You know, Child Sokka. Child Sokka. Um, and he is seeing his dad, telling him, hey, you can't, you're too young to come to war with us. You're too young to go. Stay back and protect your sister and the tribe. And, like, you get this moment of, oh, Sokka can't go, which is good. Yeah. Sokka's a child, but... I'm glad he's not going. But, yeah, he's, he's super sad, and his dad's walking away, and he can't go with him. And so, um, we then, they awake, and we meet Bato, has walked up on the, on the group where his ship is, um... And immediately notices Katara and Sokka and, and knows who they are. And they run up, they it, hug. Super crate. Yep. Aang doesn't get any of that. Well, what I see there is that Aang is not only not getting that, but right now he's totally understanding of it. Oh, and for it's like, sure. oh my god, he's getting they're getting a reunion. This is great. So he's tagging behind. Right. right? He's letting them have their space to do this. Yeah. And even at some point, I think Bato even mentions like they get to the village. It's be but, well, before that, I think it's important that to say that Aang says, Hi, I'm Aang, and then Bato ignores him. So he, he makes yeah. this bid for connection, Yep. right? And the bid was not accepted. <laughs> right. Ignored. Well, and then so they get to the abbey, and the sisters in the abbey that make the perfume even say, like, Oh, it's such an honor to have the avatar here. Yeah. Um, and then there's even more moments of Aang well, consistently trying to bid for more connection. Well, that's right. And so the the term bid for connection comes from John Gottman. He's a, a big-time researcher in um, marital uh, trust. And anyway, he, he a bid for connection is when you are reaching out to a person when you want to maintain, enrich, or reestablish an emotional bond you share or create an emotional bond, right? Yeah. And so... Like, there have been so many bids just to this point that have been either ignored or declined. And I think that, like, this is where the first time I think that it's understandable. The second time it's okay. We're, I'm a little annoyed, but it's ha but now it's getting to the point where it's starting to rub off on Aang. Oh, absolutely. And so we see it uh, in the next few interactions they have. Oh, here's this great food that we love in the Water Tribe. Aang doesn't like it, right? Like, which is like, that's not anyone's fault it just is like all right let's think about the things that are are homey and create a welcome environment for these members of the water tribe but are exclusive to the other people right so Aang's seeing a bunch of animal pelts and yeah. he's not getting the food and then when it comes to sharing stories Aang even ask hey tell me about that story because everyone else knows it even guitar says like oh everyone knows that story and then he's like i don't know it can you tell me and Sokka's like no nah, it's too long well, I, I think it's really interesting, and I think we've, we just skipped over a lot, and there's a few, like, detail, there's a lot of detail things that happened mm -hmm. in those sequences that I, I kind of want to touch on, that, because I think that if, it would be very easy for somebody to skip to that point to where we are now and question our deduction, unless we've made it explicit. And sure. so the, the few things I want to point out is, while they're walking, Bato's hugging uh, Katara and Sokka, and Aang is again trailing behind. Again, you mentioned this, but the Abbey nun greets Aang, and then Sokka interrupts him in the middle of that greeting. Yep. He starts to explain himself, and Sokka interrupts him. And like, there's so many t points it, during this that are very, very subtle, very minimal things that I don't think people pick up on until they're like, oh, I. But they, but it's they, an under, they, they, it's yeah. more like they feel it. They don't really pick up on why. And slow things over time, right? Yeah. Also, did you, like I think it's really interesting to talk about the Abbey in general because it seems like a very inclusive Abbey. 
right? They're welcoming refugees. They're bringing in people that are not a part of their group, and yeah. they're letting them stay with them. And I think that's a really cool moment as well. Well, and I think it points to how often do we not show inclusive behavior because we're not aware of it, even though we have the best intentions to be doing that. That's right. And so I think of it uh, with family sometimes, or when you bring... We, we both work summer camp, right? And so when our summer camp counselors get together, all really inclusive people, but in those moments where we get 10, 15 ex-camp counselors together, spouses or significant others or... Just friends. Friends that have been invited to those gatherings are very commonly left on the outside mm -hmm. because of not understanding or gone through that experience before, not... Uh, not intentionally, but people not kind of bringing them into the fold on like, oh, this is why we're talking about this. But even when you share that information, it's still really easy to feel like an outsider yeah. to all of that. Well, it's just when people, a group of people have a really close bond, regardless of what it is over, as soon as people see that and are next to it and proximate to it, they're like, I'm not, it's very vivid and clear that I am not part of this group. Right. Right, and I feel like, like I experienced that with my kids. I, I work with a small group of uh, teens that runs a group of much a, a group of two hundred teens. Right, and there's a there's that constant feeling of well, they're so exclusive, they're so close to, but really they're just they're not exclusive at all. They're just not as inclusive as we would hope they could be because they aren't taking the actions and things to make people who are feeling outside feel like they are a part of the group right right and it's hard because it takes work it takes mindfulness and it takes awareness right and that's the problem here is i don't think katara and Sokka are at all aware of how ang is feeling not at all and they are so hyper focused on this is one of our first tribe members that we've seen that has left us in years and they're alive and so and the focus takes away from i'm not really worried about ang and it even happens later ang leaves they don't even notice. They don't notice. And Katara, he comes back and says, I'm back. And Katara's like, okay. Yep. Like, yeah. Um, so I think also talking about the point where you said, like, Aang comments on the dead animal skins. If we think about Aang's history, he's like a monk. He's a vegetarian. He doesn't, like, he, this is, like, a brutal thing that he's, like, disagrees with. Yeah. Right? And now we're at the point where he's, like, seeing dead animals glorified on the wall. I think about the times when I've walked into a home that has like a, a deer and posted on a wall, a deer head, and a mounted on the wall, and I'm like, Ugh. like, and I I feel uncomfortable, right? Sometimes when I see that, yeah, um, I understand it, like, because I've had the awareness, but the fact that he comments on it like this is really interesting to me because they don't they just again brush over that comment and try to don't try to make him feel welcome and explain the reason behind it. Right, and so, and there's many different ways to look at that because of the context of the culture that they're in. Um, we don't know if it's they've hunted these animals for food and they are saving pelts because they need to be warm. It's a waste to to um, to not use them. Yeah, these are animals that they have passed that could have been domesticated or um, nearby animals that they found. And again, That's right. So they're using like so we don't have any context. Um, of why this was important or something that you know they're utilizing but we do can accept the fact that like but it's not it's not a welcome feeling to a well and i think that's the point is had they explained in that moment i think that taking any of these few small steps to have made to make ang feel and more included would have made it so he didn't walk out later on right but instead the continual lack of attention made it so that he he didn't feel included, right? Right, and so like for better or for worse, it's not even a wrong or right situation. It's just an understanding of feelings of that like he didn't feel included in this. Correct. You can't tell him that he should feel welcomed. Like yeah, you should feel this way. <laughs> like you, like you can't say that. You have to accept that like that's how he feels when he walks into there. Um, it also comes from the other side of like searching for context clues, searching and the ability to kind of say. You know, we don't see this in Aang, Aang's super young, and it's a 22-minute episode, but, yep. like, the moment to kind of sit there and say, hey, can you tell me more about this? Yeah. Is an important question to ask in those context situations. Well, and Aang finally did. He said, can you explain that story for me? And he gets shut down. And he got shut down. Yep. And before that, he tried to tell a story 
Like, oh, by down. the way, I've experienced something like that, and then Sokka interrupts him again and said, "That's nice, Aang." And then that's the that's the first time where Aang visibly makes a reaction. Yeah, he's not happy. And then the second visible reaction is he gets sad because, oh, it's a long story. We'll tell you some other time. And I hate it when people say that because it's a clear, this is not something where I am willing to go with you. Right. That that's that sentence. That's a long story is a clear indication that you do not want to go somewhere with me. Yeah. Right? And I understand saying that. I have said it before, but it's one of those things where it's like, you are saying, implying that you do not want to have this conversation, and you are also implying that I don't want to go where that conversation is if it's a deep conversation. I don't, I'm implying that you can't handle it or I don't trust you with that information. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the other side of it might be, if we're assuming the best in the people that we're with, is that that's coming at that that specific line is I don't want to take up more of your time than you might be willing to give. Well, and I think that's coming from my experience. I have said it in a way that says I don't want to go there with you. But regardless yeah. of what our intention is, that is how it will be taken by most people. I would say. Yeah. I right? think it's fair to understand that the intent is irrelevant on when we're delivering a message. That is so that connotated, received, right? Yeah. It had, the connotation around that sentence is so paramount. And so I just think it's important. And then Aang goes, and now that he's been shut down so many times, he just start, he gets up, right? Yeah. And he starts playing with stuff on the walls. And that's the first time he's acknowledged. And the first time he's acknowledged is when Bato calls him out for it because, oh, that's a ceremonial mask. Please put that down. Yeah, it's very fragile. Please don't touch that. And then Aang is like, like clearly I'm not wanted, so he goes and sits in the corner. If that's not a clear like behavior, tells us what this kid is feeling, right? And I think this is so apt because think of, like for those of us that engage children in any way, whether you're a parent, whether you are watching the show and just seeing children in general, this is how a lot of I imagine kids react in the classroom that are considered like Aang's considered a bad kid right now because the first thing that they did that he that they noticed was that he did something wrong right he hasn't been taught to it hasn't even been brought into the fold right he hasn't even yes. been engaged in certain ways and so you know what are the visual cues that we can notice when we're in a group of people or are engaging with others that kind of sit us to say and say oh hey i see that you're looking at the ceremonial mask do you want to learn more about it or do you have any questions about it? Or well, what are ways that I can sit there and bring you in? Um, but even in context of like friend groups, when you have someone on the outside, you got a group of friends that are, you're, you're meeting someone's boyfriend for the first time. And the way that you sit there and say like, hey, like this is what we're talking about. Do you have any like input on that? Or like, do you have anything that's relevant that kind of brought up? Or what are your thoughts? But like, do we ask those questions on a regular basis? Do we actively, because you have, you have to make active, intentional moments of, I'm doing this to engage you specifically. Yeah. You have to be aware of it. Well, and I think it's really important because, again, any one thing could have brought Aang back in, and I think he would have been willing. And all it takes is that one bid for connection to keep someone... At the table. At the table, yeah. right? And they missed so many opportunities here that he's now just sitting in a corner and he's about to walk out. And so this, what this does is it like, it reminds me of like teachers in the classroom that have like, and it reminds me of that time where you have a group of friends and you have that awkward friend uh, or awkward new person who's in the group. And I say awkward because of the lack of inclusion, frankly. Yeah. But this person is trying to make a bid for connection with this group. And it, this reminds me of something that is in Brene Brown's newest book, Dare to Lead, around you can either spend a reasonable amount of time up front uh, investing in an issue, a problem, or a person, or an unreasonable amount of time trying to fix the problem that happened because you didn't address it initially. Right. And I think that this applies to inclusion in that you can spend a reasonable amount of time including someone, or you can spend an unreasonable amount of time, which is the entire half end of this other, uh, second half of this episode, right? An unreasonable amount of time fighting uh, fixing fixing the issues that would have been a non-issue if they had spent just two or three sentences including Aang. 
and because they don't, we get a whole slew of things that happen along the way. Um, but even in our organization, we always hear, you know, oh, we want to be inclusive. It's really important to be inclusive. And then it's not always really highlighted what that actually means or what that what you have to actually do. Now, we might train our summer camp staff or our after school counselors that way and say, hey, these are these are tools you can use to be inclusive to kids. But when we say it in a general sense of like, oh, our organization is inclusive, not Words. I, don't, I don't think a lot of people can pinpoint what are the actions? What are the actions that show that? Um, and you have to be aware of what those actions, you have to know those signs, you have to be aware of those signs to actually do anything about it. Here, here. Um, and so, you know, we see it very vividly that we've got two people that are inclusive people. We know Katara and Sokka. Well, and that's the deal. I would call them inclusive. are inclusive individuals. And in this moment, they miss a whole slew of signs from Aang that show that he's not being included. Yep. And they actively take part in behaviors that push Aang away yes. without knowing it. And so what I'm really honing in on is that inclusion requires awareness. Absolutely. Awareness of those that are outside of our group, that are outside of our normal stomping grounds, that are outside of what we are. Right? Right. And so we have to be aware, we have to learn, and we have to continue to invest in things that will help us include people that do not know the story. Let's help them. Let's teach them. Let's train them. Let's give them the information that helps them feel like they're a part of us. Absolutely. So that's the first four minutes of the show. <laughs> like, yep. Like, and, it, and it goes faster because everything ends up kind there's of really fight scenes. off of that. But, yeah. the, but, but there's a whole lot that happens when it comes to inclusion. And it's all subtle. The first very like three to five minutes of this episode. And I think that's the problem is that it's so subtle. It requires that we break it down so that we can really talk about it and understand it. Yeah. Okay, so Zuko we, and Iroh. Yeah, we get cut to Zuko and Iroh who have found the bounty hunter who is arm wrestling these really strong strong men. guys at a bar. And she has very little muscle and she wins. How do you feel about that? I, yeah, good. She's got the strategy behind it and... Strategy, huh? There's definite strategies to arm wrestling. We'll talk about that on another episode. <laughs> I, don't know we, I don't know if we will. I don't know if that will ever come up again. Side episode. But there's ways that you can angle your wrist and stuff like that. That like. Oh, yeah. Because if you start to bend back, if someone's wrist is, is pushing back behind, if they are, flat, what's the flexing versus, I don't know. Anyways. There's good, good content. There's. There's ways to, to better prep yourself. Zuko comes in and says, move aside, filth. And then Iroh again covers him up and says, oh, he didn't mean it. I'm sure you bathe regularly. Yes. Right? And so why doesn't he hold Zuko accountable here? A time? Like, but it happens so often. He, oh, it does. He forgives Zuko and gives Zuko so much grace. He needs to have a crucial accountability conversation. Why doesn't Zuko. he do it? Uh, he hasn't yet, right? So, like, or we haven't seen it. Maybe he has. Maybe he has. But we haven't seen it, and it's one of those things of, hey, when you do these things, have you ever thought about how, like, it affects the people around you? Yeah, and maybe maybe Ira doesn't know how to have that conversation. Maybe he's grappling with something that is like, I I love him so much, and he's blinded by that. But as a general rule, I think that this this idea of inclusion is thinking about how he's going in and con continually excluding people and pushing people away and pushing putting people down to like right and yeah, and we can understand why he does these things. Sure, like we've we've seen Zuko's background. We've seen why he might not want to have people close to him because um, people who are close to him hurt him. Exactly. So like we see this. We also can say this doesn't, like, you can't, you still have to hold him accountable to this, right? This doesn't excuse his behavior yeah. and what he's doing. We can understand why, and I just, I, I think it's always just really important to highlight that. Like, we can understand why, and we can be empathetic to it, why. And hold him accountable. We still need to hold people accountable for what's going we on. We need to. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, she calls them names. Iroh laughs. Like, she calls him fat. He's like, hee hee hee. And I think he's flirting. That's all I'm saying. And so he, he she's just not oh, worried. She's like, I want your weight in gold. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely pretty, will. Pretty, totally. Pretty, pretty good. Deal. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, 
I just think it's really interesting. And I think it's also interesting because Iroh is so not worried about being called names, right? Every time he's called called some random name, it just rolls off of him. Doesn't affect him. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. I wonder if we can be more inclusive and more inviting and more um, aware if we are confident in who we are. I think absolutely. Right? right? Absolutely. Um, and I, we'll talk more a little bit about restraint next episode because that's yep. our lens for next episode. Giving it away. Yep. Um, little preview. But... Those are there are those moments that if you have enough self confidence and when someone does say something like that, if you are able to ignore it, you're going to be more likely to bring them into the fold and change their behavior potentially, right? Yeah. Um, the greater good, if you will. And and so again, it doesn't excuse behavior, but you know you are kind of sit, able to sit there and build a connection and maybe it allows you to make change. Yeah. Okay, they start tracking Katara based off the necklace, and then... Yeah, I, I want to go back, though, because here's... A, we've seen Iroh, yep. for the longest time, kind of push back on this, how much do you really need the Avatar mm -hmm. with Zuko? Here, it seems like he is very intent to, like, help Zuko track the Avatar with this, because he sees... I have a theory like, about that. He's the one that's like, I'm impressed... He's the one that's probably giving Zuko the idea of, like, we could use her. Um, and is it, is he do it under the, my guess is, does he do it under the guise of let's capture the Avatar? Or does he do it under the guise of let's reconnect with the Avatar and save the world? I'm going to go ahead and say that I think he wants to spend more time with Bounty Hunter. Like, that's why he's doing I it. think that's his motive. I think that he is fine with this situation when he gets to spend more time with her that's my assertion i don't buy it i just don't buy watch it. it again again listeners tell us what you think this is serious yeah but that but that's the thing like again if you're looking at it through with that specific lens are you feeling a confirmation bias yes correct maybe but if you go look at it again i bet you'll be on my side i've seen the we, i've watched the episode at least three times and you now, didn't and notice it's not something that i picked up here's on. the deal i thought it was weird every time i was like why is he so invested in this why does he care so much because he's usually not right this is the only reason this is the only thing that makes sense to me that like that's that's my theory that this he is finally found someone that he's like can flirt with for a little while i don't think he's serious about it but he wants to spend more time with her i think it's inconsequential that they're hunting the avatar at this moment we're going to get into because at the events that take place at the end of the episode i think are going to confirm what i think maybe <laughs> but i i would say that i'm more upset with iroh I agree. Then, then this is out of character. We'll, and, we'll talk, and we'll talk about it when we get there. This but, is out of character. Um, to the point to where, like, especially with the awareness of everything that we have now in a lens that is, is stronger on societal norms, his behavior is... Not okay. Not okay. I agree. And so we'll talk more about it. I don't think it's the behavior is okay, but I do think that that's why he's doing it. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So we get back to Bato. Uh, message from dad's coming. Yeah. Well, so, yes, he's talking, he talks about a message from dad coming to Sokka and Katara. Um, Aang leaves. Because he, because. Yep. Because he says that he starts to believe that they will leave him to go be with dad. Because yep. they're excited about it. Oh, is he alive? Like, we know he's and alive. I and I think he believes that because he's been excluded this whole time. Yes. He leaves, and as he's gone, we immediately hear Sokka and Katara say, but we can't leave Aang. Oh, the irony. Right? It is perfectly crafted for this show. Yep. Um, It definitely happens in moments. Absolutely. Like, but he, he, because he was feeling excluded, he didn't stick around long enough yep. to hear them say... But we need to stay with the Avatar. And hear Bato say, your dad would be proud of you. Like, that's the right call. Yep. So Aang walks off. And then this dude comes up on an ostrich. Yep. Or what's that? What word are they in Final Fantasy? What are they called? The chocobo. chocobo. It's, almost, it's like a chocobo, right? I love chocobos. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen those a couple times. The Earthbenders used chocobos. Um, uh, okay. When they were, like, picking up Iroh. We'll that's what it. they were riding on. So I, I would call it a chocobo. Great game. Play Final Fantasy, y'all. It's awesome. Um, so he receives this missive, crumples it up. He, he saves it. He receives a message. Yes. You said dismissive. I said missive. Oh. Not dismissive. He oh. receives a missive. 
which is the same thing. As a message? Yeah. My vocab skills are apparently not good enough. They're good enough. They could just improve. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. <laughs> Moral so, of the story is, here's what happens. I really think that this guy who's delivering this message, tell me more about how, like, what his, ex my, like, my expectations is when I deliver a message, it goes to the person who it's intended for. Yeah, not a 12-year-old kid you don't know. It happens to know. It could have been anybody. It could have been any. The Fire Nation could have done, like, you know what I mean? And dude like, on the Chocobo messed up. Yeah. If I was the messenger, it's time to really hold that messenger accountable. That's what I'm saying. But here's, let's think about the attitude of this. Oh, if they know Bato, he must be good. Right. If they know him, then, like, I want to include him in this, and I trust him. Right? How often do we just by just by affiliation include people because of some similarity that we have? So why we click, right? Yeah, that's what I'm like. That's a good like. Isn't that interesting? Like because there was just this one instance, one similarity, one thing that made it so that all of a sudden he was willing to include them in on this really important delivery. Right. Again, he should not have. I agree. He shouldn't have. But and how yes. often do we do that? when we potentially shouldn't either yeah. we share something that's outside of the the what safety we should be we, like it's not something we should be sharing or whether it's we, just we include people in things that we probably shouldn't sometimes because we have one unique bond that makes it so that we trust them yeah right and i'm not saying we shouldn't trust people i'm saying we need to have clearer boundaries well in that because i think i think of it in a sense of uh you know Someone shares something that's really important to them or really meaningful to them. Uh, someone comes out to you. Um, someone shares something that's really important. And then yeah. you immediately go and share that with someone else. Did you know that? Right. Yeah. And so, like, uh, it's a com though it might be used to include someone else, that behavior drastically excludes yes. the person who should be owning that. It's story. a betrayal of what you're supposed to be keeping in that vault. Right. Right. So... But so, yeah, he messed up. He should have. But Ang sees it. Sees that it's a map to Dad. Yep. Crumbles it up. Doesn't throw it away. Doesn't keeps destroy it. it. Keeps it. But does not do what we would probably consider the right thing to do, which is to deliver which is it. Which is just to deliver it the way yep. that it is. He goes back and he's like, "I'm really sorry for leaving." And this is where Katara says, "I didn't even notice you left." Yep. Right. And, Hurtful again. Well, and again, that moment was a moment where if she had treated him differently, I wonder if he would have delivered it. Yeah. Right? And so, well, and then who does the accountability lie with in those moments, right? Because he could have done something differently. She could have done something differently. Well, it's, he's tried several times over the last, you know, hours that he's been there. Well, what we're dealing with here is there's a whole lot of implicit feelings that are happening, right? There's a lot of, like, subtle things that are happening where nothing is explicit. And so what Aang could have done is said, hey, I'm starting to feel this way. And my, like I, it's my expectation is that you are treating me like you're bringing me in and you're holding me, you're like being with me and being I my family. I feel very excluded. And right now, I feel very excluded. Right now, can like can you help me understand what's going on, right? And that's when okay, they could have been like, oh, I'm, I just I'm really attached to having this conversation. I haven't talked to someone from the Water Tribe in months. I'm like I've, I'm homesick. I really wish I was with my dad. There's so many explanations. But because they're not actually talking about it's it. It's all not there. Right. There's no pool of shared meeting here. Yeah. And so, but I think, I think it is important to highlight that some, it's easy to point the fingers at Sokka and Katara this entire time. Well, and Aang has made connections for bid, like a bid for connection. Yep. Um, and has been proven that it, they just don't want to engage in that. And so that leads to this. But there still is a little bit of responsibility to kind of sit there and say, I need to share how I'm feeling in this moment. It's also really interesting, and this is potentially one of my favorite points, is Aang starts to try to fit in rather than being himself. Correct. So he starts to eat the things, he eats the sea prunes that he doesn't like. He starts to, like, fake laugh at jokes. He just starts to be not Aang. Right. In order to fit in. And one of the the, uh, the research research points to anytime we try to fit in, that is a prime that is the primary barrier to actually belonging to a group. Right. And we talk about it all the time the difference between fitting in and belonging. The difference right? between I'm going to change fundamental aspects of who I am 
to be a part of this group or be accepted by this group versus I get to belong in this group without changing who I am. And that doesn't mean like not trying to improve yourself, but it does mean, you know, fundamental parts about you. Well, Aang Aang doesn't like sea prunes. Why is he eating them? Right. Right? Why doesn't he just say, hey, is, is there any other food? Right, and if there isn't, then he's able to. Okay, I'm gonna go get more food, or like, you know what I mean? There's just so many different things that he ways he could have handled that, but because he's been excluded for so long, he is now getting rid of the things that usually help him bond with those two, right? And doing things that everyone else is doing in this small group that will hopefully bring him in. But he's not he's not showing his true authenticity, correct? Through doing it, and he's losing a bit of himself, I think, and so. I think anytime we try to fit in, that is a great opportunity for us to question what our motives are. Oh, absolutely. But you got to be aware enough to notice that that's what you're doing. Correct. Yeah. Um, we get a cut to our bounty hunter. Do we know her name? The medicine lady? No. Oh, June, I think. June? Yeah. Is the bounty hunter? Yeah. Um, so I might be wrong about that. The bounty hunter gets to the herbalist from the Blue Spirit episode... The herbalist makes a crack about her cat and like, did you do something to upset the Fire Nation again? What did that cat do? What did what did what did one cat do to really upset the Fire Nation? I don't know, but I'm curious. Yeah, I want to know that story. I'd watch that episode. I want that side story. <laughs> um, quick cut, but hey, the, the Avatar's been here or come through here, and so. Yep. But how does how do they get to the? Because they're not searching for the Avatar; they're searching for. Katara. Isn't that interesting? Katara was never at the herbalist. Isn't that interesting? So I caught that too. Yeah. Is that just a? Do you think that was just a lapse in the in the? Well, let's let's we have to treat it as though it weren't. Right. And so, is it did Aang have her scent on him? Maybe at that time. Um. I think that has to be what it would be. Is like, Aang was just with Katara. He just was there, and he was probably like. I don't remember the episode, but he might have just given her a hug or something, so maybe it was fresh. I don't think he does. I don't think he does. And then even if that's the case, like he's sprinting high speeds to get to the herbalist. Yep. You would think that that would shed any. You would think he'd lose his scent too, but right. I'll think about like this year. She was clearly sure sensing yeah. things at a much higher level. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, but Aang doesn't have anything of Katara's in this moment when yep. he's going there, or does he? Maybe he does. And is that... Ooh, that's like, a good interesting or does thought. He? Maybe he does. Or did at or that did, time. Yeah, like, I did. was there something that he, he was keeping close that was hers? Because he has had... No, at this moment, because this is before the Fortune Teller episode, so he hasn't really started to have this, like, romantic, at least not through our Overtly, lens, yeah. Overtly romantic look at Katara. Um... So, interesting. That is interesting. What are your thoughts, listeners? Share on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, let's keep <laughs> plugging that. Um, so, uh, then we get a cut back to... Guilty Conscience Aang. To Aang, uh, and uh, his sister... One of the Abby sisters finds the ball of paper and is like, how dare you? Well, and Aang immediately puts his head down. He, like, he knows he he's thinks he's caught. Wrong. Right. You should be littering. And he's right. like... <laughs> eyes go wide and he's like put like sticks it back into his little coat thingy yeah um ang then uh goes down to see that they're talking by the ship covers the tracks to the messenger with airbending sure does um and then we get uh an introduction into ice dodging dodging. yeah or in this case rock dodging yeah seems dangerous um sokka never got to do this uh, and then Bato well, says, and how how yeah, inclusive is that of Bato to, to be able to say, you know, what, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Well, and so we get a, a um, we get a cut to after the... after Bato offers it says, hey, we're going to do ice dodging, um, and we get uh, the hunter is at the fortune tellers. Yep, Katara's definitely been there. Yep, um, very there. And we get a moment where the fortune teller says. Um, would you, you like wanna, your fortune? Would you want your fortune red handsome? And At my age, there's really only one big surprise left, and I'd sooner leave it a mystery. Yeah, death. Is that the one you think it is? I think that's the one. I think you don't it think is. it's him helping the Avatar later on? Spoiler alert. 
I think he is pointing to, at my age, really the only big mystery left is how am I going to die? Yeah, I and think that's I don't, true. I don't want to know. Yep. Um, and he's not dismissive of her in like a don't talk to me way, but based off of your, do you think he does this to like not show affection for her? Because she's clearly flirting um, because he's with our bounty hunter. I wonder if that's somewhat facetious though, because she, I don't know if she's flirting because her facial expression in that moment is, is like, and her voice, her tone of voice is not like, flirty it's more it seems more sardonic that she says that well, so I, one of the things that gets brought up for me in this moment is the ability to use inclusiveness as a manipulation tactic interesting right and so like um you think the standard stereotype would be politicians or yep. used car salesmen or people who are going to bring you in and be inclusive because it's going to benefit them she's trying to sell her business right she's trying to be a fortune teller so to sit there and be like, to ask questions or try to engage people in those moments is to be inclusive, but for their sole benefit, not necessarily the benefit of the person they're trying to include. Something to think about. Um, and we we know that Madam, uh, what's her name? Madam. Madam. I can't Woo. Remember. Madam Woo. Um, seems like a good person based off of that how the other yeah, episode sure. ends. It doesn't look like she's trying to do things to um, to create a, a world where she's just lying to people to, to tell them what they want. Um, but what does that look like, really? And can, have we seen inclusiveness be, be used as a manipulation tactic before? And then how do you kind of handle that? But it was just an interesting thought that I had. Then we get to cut back to them ice-dodging. Aang is included. Bada does a really good job in this moment of including everyone. Yeah. And is really intentional about it. Yeah. Hey, here's the job that I have for you. This can't be done successfully if you're not a part well, of this. And, and Aang, this position is about trust. And Aang gets super dismissive and super, like, upset. He, he has and, to justify. Yeah, like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm the Avatar. I'm super trustworthy. I, yeah, exactly. He's, huh. I mean, because he knows that in this moment he's not. And he starts to wear, but but Bado, Katara, I need you to, to you know really be in charge of the mainsail, you know, Aang, it's this is an important job. I need you to be a, you know to man the jib. Um, he is Bato, and is he didn't have to do people. that. No, he I mean, easily I think he, he could have done it. And just, he easily could have taken Aang's role and said, Aang, why don't you sit down? This is a water tribe thing. Sokka, you have to give all the direction. I'm not going to do anything that you don't tell me to do. Right? Right. So he still could have done that, but instead he chooses to let Aang be a part of it. Yeah. And then we see this moment of, uh, again, really strong competence from Sokka. He yep. shows it again where he perfectly maneuvers this thing. Yeah. And even in a moment where everyone else is like, dude, you've proven your worth. Like, we don't need to do this. He goes, no, we're going to do this. Aang, hit yep. me with as much air as you got. And a very good understanding of Aang and Katara's abilities. And their strengths. Yes. Yeah. And so... Um, he's a master strategist. Like this is like we're good. seeing Sokka like like really come to come into himself. Well, then also, how does it look when we include people based off of their strengths when we do things like project management and stuff like that? Exactly. And how does that really play into each other? Uh, when we give people jobs that they don't, we know they aren't going to succeed in. What good is that? But when it comes to including people into doing things that their strengths are, how well it works for everyone. Yep. And so. Well, I think it's, I, it's a really cool moment. Yeah, and at the end, I think it's really interesting the the titles that they get, so or the values that they uh, earn, right? So Sokka the Wise, Katara the Brave, and Aang the Trusting. Yeah. Right? Which hits Aang like a dagger in the heart. Yeah, and <laughs> then like he's like this is a moment that's really important because he is you're an honorary Water Tribe member now. Right, you've been he's been in. inducted into this group. He is now a fit. Like this is what he was craving twenty, like five minutes ago. Oh yeah, like which was really last night, but in the show. But like in general, like like he's literally included here into the tribe, and his integrity says no. Yeah. I I can't do this. I'm sorry. And then he, because he is so, like, like so has so much angst around this mistake that he made he says no i can't accept this yeah and it, for me that points to not just 
in this moment trust and people's trust in you but a lot of the times the way that we treat people when we give them any type of emotion that's strong or uh, you know I specifically I think of love um, and the quote we accept the love we think we deserve Aang doesn't believe that he deserves this trust and it really plays on him and even though other people are saying no you're trustworthy because he has things that he can point to that prove that he he believes that he isn't um, he has a really tough time accepting that trust from them well I, I find it also interesting because thinking about how this whole, this whole moment's really interesting for me because when he says no, I, so many people in this moment would have instead gone further to cover up the lie. Right. Because they couldn't give up what they had just earned. Right? There's actually a really cool side side note. There's a really cool podcast that I love. It's called 36 Questions. There's three episodes. It's a musical podcast. But the whole premise is about how Homegirl made a mistake that was a trust mistake and then she followed through with the lie and got caught eventually she doubled down but yeah. but she, and she doubled down and it was it's an incredible show but it's exactly about this sorry side note back to the avatar but like in this moment i think that we have an opportunity to think about the how we how would we react in that in his place yeah right because you know what i mean i, I honestly i really wish i could react the way Aang did but i don't know that i would well, I think we all hope that that's what right? we would have done. Like, I really, really wish that I would have done what Aang did, but, like, I just, I don't know that I would have had the courage. We all hope we would have given the map. Way sooner, yeah, right? But, but really, what is that moment of, like, oh, do I just destroy this? Or, like, what does that look like? Exactly, then, right? Um, but he doesn't. But then we also get, so he, he shares, like, I, I don't deserve this. Gives the map. Like, what a powerful moment for him. And the reaction that Sokka and Katara give pretty understandable understandable um still hurts it still hurts we still <laughs> wish it wasn't the one that they give but understandable they are livid and they're saying you know what you can go to north pole by yourself which is what they weren't going to do beforehand right um we're going to go be with our dad yeah and then ang after that is so full of shame that he says i'm an idiot momo like what the sh the shame talk there is like very apparent. Not I made an idiot move or I made a, a, not, a yeah, dumb not, decision. It's I'm an, I'm idiot. an idiot. And he's talking to Momo, and it's super sad. And like you know, this this lemur is really smart. Yep. And so after Aang talks to Momo, we um, move on and we see the bounty hunter at not the, through the gates at of the Abbey. Abbey. Yeah. Um, and. They know they're searching for Katara. Katara and them are already on a trail. Um, Aang is getting his stuff with Appa. And we get a story, or we hear about uh, a wolf that's been separated from the tribe. And so that we're, we're hearing this wolf cry because they are, it's hurting. Well, like, I find this really interesting because it's been, like, it's separated from the pack. It's being apart is more painful than the wounds it's experiencing. Right? Right. And... Like Katara and Sokka through that realize that they need and want to go back. Well, and so because we, we get a moment about Bato says, "I know what that feels like. I know that my tribe had to leave me behind, but I know what it feels like." Sokka, I know that my tribe had to leave me behind. I know that I had stuff to do at home, but I know what it feels like. Um, and you, then it's that connection of yeah, we're doing this to Ang right now. Yep. Well, and I think it's really important to realize that anger leads to exclusion like when we are feeling shame when we are feeling angry when we are feeling an emotion that is not positive we are more likely to be exclusive than we are to be inclusive oh absolutely right yeah we shut down we run we hide we almost put an, an ex like even if we're not we're not trying to exclude other people we are trying to isolate ourselves maybe yep um and in turn, we exclude the people around us by doing that. Yeah. But absolutely, that is the standard. I'm angry. Very rarely do people want to engage with other people yeah. in those moments. Um, then then our, our the gang gets attacked. Yep. Um, they get stunned. They get stunned. They all get brought back to the village. They're looking for the Avatar. Um, and then our... 
our mole with the nose is walking in a circle, and Zuko's frustrated, and fight scene. Well, well, before that, like, Zuko has a moment where, okay, find something of Aang's to track. Gets the map. They get the map. They go to the abbey, like, where is he? And then they see Aang flying in, Yeah. right? But I think before that, it's important because this nun comes up to Aang and says, you must leave. He's like, I get it. I yeah. get it. Everybody wants me gone. And she explains, and he realizes that they're tracking Katara, right? And so that's what brings Aang, Aang back, back. Yeah. right? And so Katara and Sokka get paralyzed. Aang and Zuko fight. And I find it really interesting here to see how evenly matched they are, right? Every time they go in for a, a blow at the same time, they're both thrown back at the same distance. Like, they're, they they are very evenly matched here. Yep. Um, and I just, I think it's really interesting. Because that shouldn't be the case. Right? And we've seen so many times before that it isn't the case. Yeah. So Zuko's getting better. Yes. Um, Aang is, prob is not as good as he is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, Truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then there's also moments of, again, Aang is not trying to hurt Zuko. And I think a lot of that is where this comes from, is that if Aang was in a place of Avatar state, or Aang was in a place of, Zuko. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, even in a place where he was trying to do damage to Zuko. But yeah. I think that's why it comes off as so evenly matched a lot of the times, is um, one is all defense. Zuko's going all out. Yeah. Aang is not. Aang would be correct. Um, and there's moments of Aang trying to get the necklace back. And so yeah. he is not trying to throw Zuko, because Aang could easily just pick him up and, like, throw him out of the village. Yep. Um, but he's trying to get the necklace back and, and yeah. does a couple of other things. And then Zuko throws a nice fireball down a well after Aang goes into it, and Aang makes the water explode out, throws Zuko a good bit away, yep. lands. Um, and I have you noticed, like, how... And every time there's a fight scene here, Iroh is just always just watching. Yeah. He never goes and joins the fight. If he did, pretty confident that Aang would get caught. Well, and we see that in future episodes, right? We see Iroh go full out. Oh, yeah. In the near future. And <laughs> um, and when he does, yeah, he's he good. You realize that he is, he is good. Um, and I think part of that, too, is, again, he is... Um, he doesn't really want Aang captured. Yep. Um, and he also is doing it under the guise of like, I'm just teaching you, right? Like I'm here, or I'm so old and feeble, I yeah. can't, I can't help. <laughs> Not like, well, I think that's part of it, right? Like, yeah. oh, I'm just too old for this. Yep. Uh, you know, hustling everyone. And then, um, but you get, but then we get to see Appa power for the first time. Oh, he goes. Like he goes uh, we see Appa just full on like. Now we've got an animal that Appa can go go like against. go head to head with, and Appa just absolutely smashes through this mole until, until he gets paralyzed. But yeah. even then, it takes six or seven like tongue lashings um, to like draw actually drop Appa. Yep. Well, and and during all of that, like Iroh goes and heals June, watches the whole fight, and Appa then gets paralyzed. Right. So, like, it's really interesting to think about like just in terms of inclusion Iroh again goes to June and gives her that perfume that wakes her up from the the stunner yep right which I find it interesting that he knew exactly what perfume to get because like how did he know that just wisdom just worldly wisdom maybe he's just like okay I can buy that okay. and then we see that the Abbey nuns do it to the to Katara and Sokka later and then Sokka gets this idea of alright let's dump the perfumes well, and I think it's really interesting to think about this. Before they wake up, and by wake up I mean like become unparalyzed, right. right? It's the show is very intentional about including Sokka and Katara in this fight scene. Yeah. Like during this whole fight, you know, Aang and Zuko are going at it, and they make a few cuts to Katara and Sokka making, you know, peanut gallery comments. Yeah. And I think that's the show is keeping them keeping us aware that Katara and Sokka are there. Yes. Right? And I think what we're, we don't see throughout the whole fight scene is we're not seeing all of the nuns and what are, how are they feeling about this? And what are they, like, cowering in the abbey? Just like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Like, what, what do we, like, you know what I mean? Right. Except for the two or three that come out and say, hey, here's the perfume. Yeah. Right? Well, and then 
even so, like, when Sokka says we should use the perfume, he is engaging them in this process now. Yes. Um, they dump the perfume, sends this mole for a... A loop. A loop. Heads out. Yeah. He hits... Randoms. Randoms. Hits Zuko. Hits Zuko. Hits June. Does not hit Iroh. Does not hit Iroh. Iroh goes and catches June. Yep. And, and now she is lying on top of him. Yep. And uh, and the then it's gone, right? So the the, the mole leaves. Um, and I think it's interesting because Zuko is like, I didn't see you get paralyzed. And Iroh goes and goes, shh. Yeah, like, yeah, be quiet. Don't tell anyone. Which this, this is what... I'm pissed, right? Like, it's not okay. It's not, because even in the moment, so June is paralyzed on top of Iroh. Yep. Iroh seems like he is doing this from a place of, Rome, let's, let's be real, sexual attraction. Yep. Um, she's paralyzed on top of him. Her facial expression is clearly showing, like, I'm not cool, like, I'm not cool with this. Yep. And he's cracking jokes and telling Zuko, like, not to tell anybody. Yep. This is the most out of character thing I've ever seen from Iroh. So, assuming the best here, she, he doesn't see her facial expression. Sure. And she doesn't say anything. Okay. I'm. I. It, it, I agree with you. It is very wrong. But understanding, right? I understand and see Iroh. Like in this moment, he doesn't see that she's angry. Right. Right. And so I understand. Doesn't mean we shouldn't hold him accountable because we see both sides. But I see where he's coming from. Well, and I think this is where we also take a step out of the show yep. and talk about the creators and what was going on here. Let's talk about that. So, like, yeah. they're creating this, and this is meant to be a poke fun jab It's jab meant moment. to be funny. Yep. Yes. Um, and the we've seen the special features. Majority of the creators on this show are white males. Yep. Um, and we see this is like, this is supposed to be a funny moment. Like, ha-ha, Arrow. Um, girl's paralyzed on top of him that he, you know, has a romantic crush on. It's a little uncomfortable for me. Well, yeah, but so, but what does that say about the creators in the world that they were growing up? Because this was happening in 2005, 2006. Yep. Um, so what does that say about the creators of the show in this moment when they're thinking that this is a fun joke joke? Um, and then us as viewers on a kid's show being told, like, this well, is a fun joke joke. And what, who is it funny for? Right. Right? Because I imagine that females and people who have been marginalized and abused in the past do not find that funny. Correct. Right? Who have been paralyzed out of their control and been unable to have control over their body. Yep. Right? That's terrifying. Right? And granted, this is a, frankly, a very kid-friendly way to depict that but it's still one of those things where it's 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 not okay no it, it's it is not okay um on any way shape or form and you know we're not saying the creators of the show are bad people right correct like, we're not saying well, that, but, but we are saying that like the lens that this was created in shows a societal norm of this is this funny. is funny correct yep um which in so many ways it is not funny and it is not okay mm-hmm um, so yeah, and it's so out of character for Iroh, and to the point to where... Well, and this is the only episode throughout the entire series where... That we know of now, looking at it through, like, this lens, because I definitely didn't catch this the first time around. Yeah, you're right, I didn't either. You're right. I think that this is one of the only episodes in which this happens. Right. Or something like this happens. Um, so it's just really interesting to see that be the case, and, um, absolutely want to make sure people are aware that not okay not okay not okay and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well share out um we get a final flyaway and there's this big and, discussion about family yeah. right you're in it you're more you're our family too and you're more important right now yep Aang shows the necklace to Katara says Zuko wanted me to make sure you got this she cracks a joke of oh can you thank Zuko next time you see him and then she gives him a little kiss yep Gives Aang a little kiss. That was entirely in her control. Yep. And then hands away. Boom. End of episode. That's any it. other things that we want to cover that we missed so far? We are uh, longer than any of our other episodes have been. There's a lot of good content. A lot of good content here. Um, but we are longer than... It has been anything else we want to wrap up with before we go and look through... Um, the next episode. This episode. The Deserter. A lens of, uh, I believe, fire. Restraint. 
Oh, this end of yeah, the end of yes. this episode. Yeah, we gotta we gotta look through inclusion through a lens of fire. Yeah. And so, what does that mean? Anything else before we get to that? I'm good. All right, we will be right back with talking about inclusion through a lens of fire before we wrap up the episode. See you soon. talked a lot about uh just if you if you do things on the front end if you have an awareness piece on the front end how much that can help on the back end right and so i kind of think about that is it better to kind of light a candle and talk about things and have things open in the open or have an awareness of pieces at the very beginning before it turns into a wildfire when it's left uncontrolled um and so for me one of my goals for this week will be just having an awareness of process and awareness of an understanding of what are the signs that I'm looking for when I'm not being as inclusive as I need to be or when other people are showing me through visual cues or audible cues that they're not being engaged in the way that they need to be. Yeah. How can I focus on that? Yeah. I want to do that, but you're going to do that. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Um, Fair. <laughs> so I, when I think of fire, I think about how fire is warm and fire is like ultimately – a, a a tool that can bring people together and I want to be fire is also bold and so I really want to be bold with my inclusion and I want to help people feel warmed and welcomed into the spaces that I inhabit and I want people to feel like I am bringing them in and so I want to uh, focus on being bold because mostly I am pretty shy actually unless it's a work event but as a general rule I'm pretty shy and I don't um reach out and I want to be a little bit more like fire and um, be bold with my inclusion and saying hi what's your name tell me like just invite people in be that light yeah absolutely well what are y'all gonna do what are you gonna do this week uh, to better yourselves better the world around you better your community um, and, and what does that look like email us at the archive at gmail.com tweeted us at the archive follow us on Instagram give us your thoughts on the episode your episode recap yeah, if you want to send us a voice memo about how what this episode means to you, what this show means to you, um, send it to us. We would love to have uh, that, and we can put it even on air, um, put some of our favorite ones up on, on future episodes of this podcast. Well, that's it for us today. That's it. That's, that's a wrap. It. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And I'm Ben Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye. Bye.